0: This episode of Better Off Red. My name is Pip Adam, and this is episode eighty-five, and it's quite a special one for me. Um, I'm talking to Caitlin Smith. Um, Caitlin and I have known each other since we're about thirteen years old. We met in third form at Selwyn College, um, and she's been a dear friend over the years. Um, so it's very exciting to talk to Caitlin, um, sort of in the week. um, she launches you have reached your destination by brave Caitlin Smith's imaginary band Um, an amazing album highly recommend it and um, yeah the best way probably to find out how to buy the album and to find out more about Caitlin is to go to Caitlin's website which is caitlinsmith.com and I've got a link to that on the website And yeah, so in this episode we talk about two songs. Um, We talk about Shoulder Charge by Jessica Hoop and we talk about Another Goodbye, which is a song by Caitlin off their new album. It's actually the last track on the album. Um, You can listen to both these songs on our website, which is um, better-red.com and yeah, we have a great conversation. Um, I really like the way Caitlin thinks about song as story yeah that's really awesome so I hope you enjoy this episode and yeah thanks for listening well I'm gonna start by saying thank you very much for um coming on zoom today it's very nice to see you as always you awesome awesome person and um, I was wondering if we could start off um, if you would be willing to introduce yourself in whatever Absolutely. way you think is the best way to introduce yourself. I
1: am Caitlin Smith. In fact, I am Brave Caitlin Smith's imaginary band, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> They're all around me. And um, I'm a song poet and a story singer. And I teach uh, voice and songwriting Moosh Together because... That's all to do with having a voice, finding a voice, using a voice, being heard. And um, so that's what I do. All
0: things voicing. Oh, awesome. And um, I feel like I should do a disclaimer that you and I have known each other since Since we were 14 years old. Yeah, since we were 12, actually, yeah. Yeah. I think you yeah. might be my oldest friend i was just trying to think
1: be- oh I'm, in, I'm so honored and i'm so proud of you for getting the residency <laughs> oh well, yeah I, that was drop, that, drop it like it's hot oh, so yeah. exciting and also <laughs> just being there for um for like book launches and stuff mm. you know it's so exciting because you know this i don't know if this is analogous to you and i'm gonna end up interviewing you so that's what it's about but basically When I had this artifact after 13 years in my hands and it actually, we managed to make the braille work because there were so many attempts at trying to make the tactile labyrinth and the braille actually work and it didn't. And so finally we, we came up with a solution with the print company, which is actually resin
0: Mm, mm, mm.
1: like a glue that's on it, but I don't know. And they don't know how robust it is because it's never been done before. So When I held it in my hand, all of the pain and suffering of which there was a great amount just melted away. Now I haven't got kids, so I wouldn't know, but I'm thinking this might be analogous with the flood of oxytocin that actually happens. So you don't discard the baby, but it basically makes you go, Oh yeah, that wasn't so bad. (laughs) I'll do it again.
0: I'll make another CD or whatever. Did you get that from actually having your book out? um not really no I I find that bit of everything really hard like I I don't know I just get I have this moment where I think oh whoops why did I do that and yeah it's oh. the album is amazing though Caitlin my god it's you so know, good
1: I think there's no whoops to it because it's been 13 years in the making and because it's been such a process where I found myself actually shaming myself in a way when being interviewed by William Dart, because I, he brought up two examples, um, Black Sand Shore with Grace and SJD, of which I did backing vocals. Mm-hmm. But in both instances, there are gnarly stories behind them. Like one of them, they actually used Big Runga in the video to lip sync my, my backing vocals. And then with SJD, just before I was about to sing, he said, I wish Sandy was here, which is Sandy Mill, the vocalist he usually works with, which just totally knocked me off my perch. And it's crazy that with this album, I am actually in therapy at the moment <laughs> and realizing that it's taken so long because I shut down and give up. Mm. So my, my response to things is to freeze Mm. and I will just not do anything. Like I won't answer that phone. I won't send the email. I won't take action. I won't speak up for myself. Um, I won't run away from danger. I'll walk towards it. I'll Mm. do all these things that are actually totally counterproductive, Mm. but, but with this album, there's no, there's no actual regrets because a Let's talk spirituality here, baby, woo, woo. (laughs) Because this actually is a real definition of divine timing,
0: Mm. okay?
1: Just in this year alone, right? Because there've been, it's a long time between drinks. Well, certainly 12 years sober for me. But um, 2007, I got Creative New Zealand funding. 2009, it was recorded. And so that's a long time. That's, that's, That's 11 years. And I had these people in my life who would tell me it'll never come out or why don't you just get it out digitally? And I just kind of, am not able to speak up for myself, but I just held that ground kind of like an Aboriginal elder. I just kind of went and earthing myself. I just went, right, okay. But also I don't feel as if I have that much power or efficacy to actually sort of be the agent of, of, woo, let's get this out. And that's where my spiritual belief is only if it's God's will and so (laughs) The first lockdown was announced the week before I was supposed to go on a nationwide tour with arts on tour The week before but the album wasn't ready and then the night before the second lockdown was announced in auckland The night before my album launch We go we go into lockdown again, but the album wasn't ready and so God's just going, no, 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 we'll, we'll let you know when the time is right. Okay, time's right now. So mm-hmm. that's the reason why actually there's no regrets because I'm everything to do with the process. And I think that comes with pluses and minuses. It comes with the only you are responsible and accountable. Um, but also at the same time, you are the person who can take all of the mm-hmm credit and the glory not not that I can because actually it's the musicians I play with and they're just so amazing and I think that's also something that maybe you look back on your earlier stuff with the distance with time and you go actually this is really good Mm. like I love reading your your short stories (laughs) I mean I I freaking adore them because you know there's it's just truth and that, that, is, that is non-negotiable. That is actually like you can't have an opinion on it really because it just is what it is. and um, Or that's how it feels to me is like basically you speak truth and as it's said about songwriting, never let reality get in the way of the truth. Hmm. So sometimes we need to stretch and fold and, and play around with and exaggerate to hmm. actually make it real.
0: And, and I make think... It to me you know that's why i'm so grateful like you've chosen two um songs for us to talk about today and i love the way you've always talked about this combination of poetry and song and music and you've chosen jessica hoop's shoulder charge and then i asked you to choose a song by yourself and you've chosen another goodbye which is actually the last song on the album and i wonder if we chat, start with Jessica Hope, I'm wondering what, you were quite quick to decide on this song, and I wonder what it is about it that um, you love to talk about, like what, what is it about it that um, brings you back to it?
1: Okay, so basically Jessica Hoop is my queen, okay, yeah. so she is something so special, mm. she is so freaking special, and for those who don't know her, she was Kathleen Brennan and Tom Waits' children's nanny. And <laughs> um, she's got an amazing story. She's currently in a relationship and has been for quite some time with Elbow's tour manager and, and lives in Manchester because he's, he's from Manchester. And she is one of these people who is just so able like, um, okay, like yourself and like Kate Bush, we're putting ourselves into really amazingly imaginary situations. Now, I, I personally don't really do that. Hmm. I kind of use more of an autobiographical bent. Hmm. Um, but um, with this one, she's actually forming the song around a fascinating word called Sonder, which is was coined in, I'm reading off the screen, coined in 2012 by Joan Connick. Um, whose project, The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, aims to come up with new words for emotions that currently lack words. Inspired by German Sonder, special, and French Sonder, to probe. So, um, Sonder, as it means um, the neologism, is the profound feeling of realizing that everyone, including strangers passed in the street, has a life as complex as one's own, which they are constantly living despite one's personal lack of awareness of it. So mm. essentially what she's done is she's given herself the entire premise for the song to actually just unwrap and explain and demonstrate what Sonda is. So when you know that, cause I came across this word and I have to like look through these tiny freaking lyrics with my mm. miniscope, cause I'm legally blind. So I'm going through and I'm going, hey Dennis, do you know what Sonder means? And he went, no, I know what it means in German. And everyone else is going, well, we know what it means in German. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so we look it up and we go, oh, well, it's a whole new word. No wonder we're not knowing it. But it's also what she's done in terms of the meaning of the song. It's like, what I love about her as well is there's trapdoors of meaning. There's like, there's like underneath and underneath and underneath, which is how I like to talk about songwriting because I teach songwriting. So it's a mile deep. And 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 an inch wide as opposed to a mile wide and an inch deep, which you could easily do because I'm freaking tangential, as you know. It covers more ground. But we do actually, and that was one of the things I love, by the way, about poetry and songwriting, because what happens with the transformation of a poem into a song is it gets more depth. It actually gets the most amazing process of transformation happening and I can explain that with one of the songs that I wrote but later for that because I'm talking about Jessica because I love you so um (laughs) what it's got is a repeated song which is I came out of this world not into this world and that's based on an Alan Watts quote which is we don't come into this world we come out of it Mm. so she was also blending these two concepts um which you know I mean anyone hopefully you can play the song which is just like I love it that she's she's actually if you if you know things um contained within the definition of sonda we can actually then have an awareness of the fact that she's feeling as if she's so alienated, no one knows what she's going through and everything's kept to herself and it's very much underneath, underneath, underneath. And she talks about that. But the asymmetry, oh my, I could just bang on for hours about this that musically she's asymmetrical so she doesn't have regular bar length and she doesn't have regular tempo time signatures it's all over the shot because what she's doing is she's basically holding up the lyric and saying well the same way you would have in free verse poetry you don't have regular rhyme schemes you don't have regular line length you've got you serve the lyrics and whatever lola wants lola gets and so if these lyrics require her to be changing whatever. And it's so beautiful the way she uses um, backing vocals. And I know actually what's interesting about this song is it's got about five different songwriters. Whether or not she's doing that by actually saying, uh, um, she's giving credit to those people who who were there um, mm. or who were in the band, or whether or not there actually were, they were, hang on, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six which is like, it's not a Franken-song, which is those teams of top liners and stuff that actually have bolts in their necks because they're actually just sort of someone from the company walk through the room and okay, they're going to be a co-writer. I think with this one, she's an incredibly generous um, person, human thinker. When you hear her interviewed about songwriting, she actually describes it as a very painful process. So I want to bring forward just personally, I want to bring forward uh, interviews with and very heart-to-heart interviews with my with my mentors and my idols um, about songwriting because I think it's one of these things along with a lot of other aspects of my life that's very frequently misunderstood. So Mm -hmm. I believe my blindness and my sight condition has been always misunderstood and even the idea of blindness that you know legal blindness is, is 95 it was 90% of blind people have some useful vision it's only 10% that are totals but they define the culture so it's very very misunderstood and yeah. I've been attacked for not being blind enough and not really being blind and that's the reason I want to also start a, a, a blind pride campa- campaign but it's a real misunderstanding as well as songwriting it's like you're supposed to like fart them out with, with a <laughs> rainbow and some glitter and it's like oh my god there's a sun, ah! it's like no it's she actually talks about her writing room as the torture chamber Mm. so it's real it's really real and she will actually talk about going like for a a 10 mile walk during the day and she's otherworldly she's just amazing to Mm. to look at interviewed she's just like wow she's as she is when she when she sings but she often takes on different personas mm. she was just saying what well, she went for this walk for 10 hours and then she came back and then it came to her mm. but it's that whole back burner and you obviously know about that from all of the writers retreats and stuff so much of it is research so much of it is back burner stuff mm. the actual quickening of the creative getting pen to paper or sitting at the computer is a quotient mm. of it but it's, it's often so much of it is brewing and and being a like a Consume and a reducing down mm. of all the things that you're going through, I'd like to think in 11 years. But I mean, like this, this song just really profoundly gets to me because I realize this, there is a name for it now. You know, it is a sense that we're all in this together. I love Jessica Hoop, how I actually want to get a copy of this uh, of the CD to her because I've already sent one to Paul Brady. Um, I've just got Jane Sibbery's email address, I mean, a postal address so I can send it to her. I'm basically going through um, all Braille advocates and people like um, Stevie Wonder. I want to send it to the people who I believe will get it.
0: Mm, mm. And,
1: and especially those people who will appreciate it. Like I actually gave it to one of my students who teaches Braille. And um, she... Uh just I'm I'm not of the generation that films everything, but I should have filmed it because it was the first person who is um uh blind reading Brave Caitlin Smith's imaginary band, you have reached your destination with braille on the cover, the contracted braille, and then actually tracing the labyrinth
0: during had a- lesson. I had so much fun with it last night um, with the labyrinth, and it is so meditative. Like, it's so meditative. Hey, Mm. can I ask you a question before I forget? Um, You know how you were talking about the asymmetry in the song, and I was thinking about your song as well that we listened to, and I know that you write for the page as well as writing so some of your stuff is to be read and some of your stuff is to have music behind it. And I'm just wondering um, what it means to be able to sort of put that mood to the words that sort of it, it it, it sort of goes past meaning and sort of into your soul kind of thing. I mean, this mm. is a silly question, but I just wonder, um, it, you know, do you, do you sort of feel a difference between the work that's for the page and the work that's, you know, accompanied? Because oh. often often it moves, doesn't it though? Yeah, I just realized, yeah. Well,
1: yeah, no, that's exactly what we were talking about before. But for me, it's not for the page. So I mm-hmm. actually don't trust the page personally. There is uh, an inclusion in the CD of a booklet of poems but the only reason it's in the booklet form is because I told creative New Zealand, that's what I was doing. (laughs) Um, But essentially what I want to do tick is um, actually get um, a subscription. Possibly my dream is to be on Patreon because I have thousands of poems Mm. and a lot of them are yet to be transcribed. Like I, I could literally take the phone into the next room to show you this stack of books which is basically my morning pages books. And within these morning pages of three pages longhand, thank you, Julia Cameron, for doing them for 20 years, is I actually, uh, poems will emerge and I'll have a different layout for that. But what I do is then I transcribe them onto the computer when I have time. And I stopped consistently doing that in 2014. So Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of stuff in there that I really need to get out. But I don't trust the page because I'm into the sonic. And so I perform my poetry. Um, at places like Poetry Live, that is now actually celebrating its 40th year in existence and because I want to hear these things read and I don't, I mean, I seriously, I don't trust the page, I I actually want to be the person who can deliver these poems, but so too for um, when I'm writing it, the thing for me is how does it sound? Everything is about how does it sound. Obviously, it has to be meaningful because what else am I doing it? So the the most important thing is there's got to be what the hell it's about, but it's it's definitely how it sounds. So I will go over and over and over and very, very much verbally, I will recite the poem, recite the poem, and that will decide what words are being used and what you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very oral, it's very, and, and I don't want to be able to actually have a downloadable mp3 of a poem a day, for those mm. who subscribe to it, because I could easily do that, because I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of poems, because I actually started doing as a, as a, a way of inspiring Dennis to take a photo a day, I, um, I wrote a poem a day, mm. and then I kept going, and mm. I just kept going because it's actually a really easy thing to do, especially if you have short palms, like mm. three word palms. I have a whole collection of three word palms, which I love. Like, how dare you? It's a good palm. Um, <laughs> and, you know, really short palms. Like there's one called um, Like You Do. And it is a pen just wants to be held like you do. Yeah. And awesome. so basically it's short, but it says all it needs to say. Mm. And I... I believe that even though some of my poems might outstay their welcome and they're very, very, very long, that's one of the coolest things yeah, about songwriting is this transformative process. And I actually want to write a book about it because, you know, I've got my column for New Zealand Musician, mm, which is mm. called Finding Your Voice. So I've got 61 columns that actually Raywan's going to edit into a book. Yeah. That's so cool. Super keen. Um, but also, I'll be reciting that one aloud so people can listen to it and I can demonstrate examples because it's really hard to spell <laughs> twang and how do you spell it. I, so I would prefer to actually have a, um, a, an audio version of that. Um, but, you know, there's a real transformation. There was one particular poem which was called 18 Stitches, which was written for the student that needed comfort because she was claiming to be tortured by her family and I went through the process of actually calling the police it got very very bad and I was comforted by this really really fantastic um policewoman who who um it wasn't Joan though it wasn't Joan this policewoman but <laughs> basically she said have you actually you know there is a duty of care if in fact these things were happening the police would know and I was going oh shit I feel like such a so I rewrote the poem which was a comforting poem with lines like it is a prayer and a token that we are not broken but repaired you know I had a nice mirroring rhyme to it I wanted to keep that shit but then I also felt stitched up and so I had all the fabricated stories and the embroidering the stories and the playing on words of that and I decided you know what I want to write this into a song and when I wrote it into a song it would be the most amazing sort of um, time-lapse photography or, or a film of you know clouds as they go across the sky because it would gain a line and then lose five or something you know it would actually go oh and there's three more words but I've rewrote you know so basically it goes through such a push-pull of what stays and goes but it became something so completely different to the original concept of the poem which is there's a wound created when two people separate and that's what happened at the end of the song so it actually had its very much its own life and that's the thing about the deepening that happens when when we sing, there are many different parts to a song, like in terms of song structure and they perform different um, duties, you know, different functions. And I am a huge bridge fan. Like mm, um, mm. there's even a song on my album Orede, called Without mm. You that has three bridges mm. or two bridges in a row at least. And I love <laughs> that. Cause another of my favorite songwriters Joan Vassa Has asymmetric song form going on as well, Mm. really into that. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it, I mean, if you think of someone like Declan O'Rourke, he has A, B, A form. But if we're thinking about the task of each component part of a song, there's a song like Prayer for a Miracle that actually has an outro in it. Mm -hmm. And that was inspired by Radiohead, because Tom York's really into outros. He's such a good outro writer. And that means that. This outro is, and and Grand Companion has one as well, it's basically either taking something that you might have mentioned in passing from an earlier segment of the song and then really um, setting it in a different context and really stretching it out and glorifying it or doing what needs to be done. Or in the case of Prayer for Miracle, the line is repeated and slowed down, it's not too late for us, which is actually about the about the earth, mm. and, and speaking of songs that change, I recorded that with the Auckland Jazz Orchestra last year when yeah, I had actually yeah. had nodules, and um, I didn't realize I had nodules until they were diagnosed at the end of last year, and it wasn't from singing incorrectly, it was from screaming in a really, really toxic relationship. And basically, the, um, the version that I did with the Auckland Jazz Orchestra also had a life of its own because they didn't slow it down. So it was, it's not too late for us. It's not too late for us. It's not too late for us. And I was going, okay. It's not too late for us, but I'm, I'm not slowing down. So I ended up sort of rewriting the end line, which is it's not too late for a miracle. Mm. So then it came almost like a lovely full circle. Mm. But that was like a, something that comes in, which you have the ability when you're singing and performing and recording, I guess, to change. And I know every performance poet can as well. And they're constantly rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. But, you know, it's, it seems perhaps even more malleable when you're able to just do it live, you know, yeah. and play and evolve. Because, you know, these songs were written a long time ago. I've got a whole album of
0: songs because <laughs> that's what I was thinking was really interesting uh, uh, about another goodbye is that when we said we were going to talk about it I actually found a beautiful video of you singing it um, outdoors and like the the um there's definitely it's it, it's not a different song at all. I'm not saying that, but there's a it's it was so cool to listen to the album version last night with the other version kind of in my mind, and huh. um yeah I just I just think that um exactly what you're saying this ability to develop almost collaboratively as well you know like um you know to get to know something and to get it to sort of run through your body more than once is quite cool like it's really cool can you remember anything about writing another goodbye like can you remember oh good god yeah
1: you and I both will relate to this because one of the lyrics is one day shy of a month without drinking so I can exactly place that song oh of course yeah because (laughs) my sobriety birthday is the first of September and like a month without drinking, good God, right? I'm over 12 years. So it's like, oh, well that places it. But it was so clear. I mean, I've also had four stalkers in my life and um, and that's over a period of like 25 years. And um, so when I'm referring to that, I need an email screener, a lover, a house cleaner, a manager and some personal security to keep stalkers at bay and clear away the time to organize piles of clutter by my bed and the chaos in my home because I just can't stand to be left, I just can't stand to be left, I just can't stand to be left alone. So that has also been the most amazing evolution on a emotional and psychological level because I felt like I was coming up with the most, oh my God, hieroglyphic, highly coded, essential truth, which is like, I just can't stand to be left alone, which of course was a bridge, but that for me was Definitely not how I would see myself. I, I'm an incredibly independent person who's lived alone for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've realised as well, just of late, is that it's not actually that I, I'm really happy with my with my solitude, with my uh, my being independent and and my aloneness. I guess you could call it that, because. I would rather be alone than in a toxic and dysfunctional relationship. Mm, mm, mm. And that's actually what perhaps even years of this, with this album pretty much does document some forms of toxicity by way of addiction and codependency, but it doesn't really go into it that much, but definitely what this, this song (laughs) was, so much about place. It's so easy for me to relate to this one because it's like you know a tour bus idles out in front of the museum, and I'm on the outside looking in. I mean, like I live in Grafton, so that's my backyard. Mm. um And I would walk through to, through the domain all the time. I still do, you know. And that's where I write my songs. So I write my songs on the hoof because I can't drive because of my vision. And I also do a lot of warming up when that's happening. And so, you know, they, they drop in, they drop in while I'm walking. Like I, I recently came up with the bridge from a co-write that I was doing with my friend and I adore the bridge. And it's kind of like, Oh, well, the rest of the song's just perfunctory. It was just like we were having a co-write <laughs> bit of fun. You know, I want to get rid of all the rest of that and go my bridge, how I love you. Because, you <laughs> Can know, you explain and that's to not me? me-
0: can you explain to me what a bridge is? I am so okay. stupid. Bridges, not walls, bridges, not walls. It's
1: sometimes called a middle eight. And it basically means it is a a joining, a conjoining of different sections of a song. So it will it will make sense of something leading to something else and it's not a pre-chorus because what the pre-chorus does is it joins the verse with the chorus so it says well how do we get from here to here because the chorus is the conclusion so what a bridge does is it goes somewhere completely different it usually only occurs once in a song um otherwise we'd call it a a c-section oh no we can go to the bridge because James Brown he'd take it to the bridge so forget I just said (laughs) that anyway but basically it is some retrospective or forward looking shit I mean I use actually I use I love bridges so I'm Mm. I'm like I when I whenever I'm teaching songwriting there's there's like a special at least um three months nodule for um for bridges no just kidding but (laughs) <laughs> someone like um, Randy Newman in real emotional girl will actually synopsize an entire life within an eight bars so mm. that bridge to that song is and it's a it's a different chords different melody different feel different perspective different point of view so that's the reason why it's it's kind of like a bridge that goes ah oh, you make sense of everything um, that bridge for that song is um, 18 years she lived at home, she was daddy's little girl. Daddy helped her move out on her own. She met a boy, he broke her heart, and now she lives alone. She's very, very careful, there she is. And it pretty much just explains everything in the song. But the the, the amazing magic of bridges is it's the last line in a bridge that is the jewel of the song. Mm. It makes everyone just go, ah. So the, you know, the bridge in this one is, I just can't stand to be left alone. Mm. And that becomes the, ah, oh, that's what it's about, you know, another goodbye. And you think of it from that vantage point and you think, oh, all right. Okay. So this mustn't be a very good thing
0: because it's another one to add to the collection, but yeah, but just, this, I just love them. And mm-hmm. does this, and I'm going to ask all the dumb questions. Um, does this song have a chorus? No. It doesn't. Yeah, well, it kind of does. It
1: kind of does
0: if you think, but not of, in a traditional sense, eh? So. No.
1: So, I mean, actually, choruses have evolved. Song form has changed a lot. If you think of choruses, they used to be just a do do do, a da da da. It's <laughs> all I want to say, or whatever it is, you know, Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. It's a chorus. But now you've got things that actually have very, very long choruses. Like Royals has a very long chorus, and Get Lucky is a very, very long chorus. And you've got very, very long pre-choruses as well. If you think of song form in terms of jazz and the, you know, the classics, they didn't have choruses. They had A, A, B, A. A lot of folk songs don't have choruses either, but you've got probably got one line that exists at the end of the, um, whatever it is, hmm. <laughs> um, at the end of the section,
0: yeah. And like with the song, one thing—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm all over the show, sorry—but I was—it—it it must be really interesting because I guess now that the album's out, you'll be like you have sung these songs for eleven years, you know. Like I, I mean, I've—I've I've been present, luckily enough, to hear you play some of those songs. But um, do they change over time? Like you know, oh, being able to place that. So yeah, can you talk? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that, maybe? Well.
1: Yeah, that, that was interesting because when I did initially um, apply for Creative New Zealand funding and I got it, I was putting forward the idea that I wanted to show the process of songwriting because I teach it and I want things to be really transparent. So I actually have a recording, which I'm going to have available on download only because I can't afford to <laughs> manufacture it, um, which was... The, ori- the original, um, uh, just me singing them as acoustic numbers, awesome. just me playing the piano and singing. Awesome. And what's crazy about that is, right, is I perform a lot of these songs with Kevin Field and um, he's a thousand times the piano player that I could ever dream of being. So I actually don't play a few of the songs from Orede because he plays them so much better and I've forgotten how they went, even though I wrote them on piano and obviously did play them on piano. But I'm playing piano and Wurlitzer and um, um, Rhodes, no, just Wurlitzer, on this current album, on a few of the tracks, just because they slowed down and I just wanted to guide people better. Mm. But they absolutely change, as I was saying before, because if they want to change, they'll let you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So my phrasing has definitely changed on things like Prayer for a Miracle, and I mean, we're talking actually singing these songs literally thousands of times, because it's, it's taken that long. So it's, but you know, the cool thing, okay, so this comes down to writing and how people write and what their process is. So I am glacial when it comes to writing. I'm not the shit it out and go, oh my God, I can't possibly flush it. Okay, let's have another one. <laughs> I am the person who uses the poems or what have you as fertilizer, but I keep going and I keep going and I keep going. like the song I did write about um, gunslingers and skeleton keys that isn't on the album, it's gonna be on the next one. Um, it took me several years to write it. And it took several years because I was not ready to face what it was to be stalked. It was too painful. I would actually start uh, writing it and then stand up from the piano and move away. And that was my whole, you know, not facing it as my freeze or flight instinct. Um, so they definitely are very slow build songs that a lot of time and energy goes into usually. Mm. Mm. But then every single song has come a different way for sure, for sure. Um, but what that means is they're the gift that keeps giving because it means that because I know how much what went into them, I don't ever get bored with them. I've never got a bo- I've never got bored with any of my songs mm. ever.
0: I feel the same way. Like I mean, I um, there is I, I, I mean, as you well know, um, I know very little about jazz, but I mean, and I don't know whether, I don't know. It, it, is this, is this a jazz song? I say. I don't with an think an upward I, don't thing. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. You see, I'm really genre fluid.
1: I, yeah. I actually don't define myself as being jazz. A lot of people might, but I'm not. Um, if it legitimizes me, cool. Um, but I didn't go to jazz school. Like I taught at jazz school, but I never went to jazz school. I mean, I'm using jazz chords, um, but there are even schools of thought that say that vocals don't even belong in a jazz world. And so it's mm. obviously not jazz. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but basically, uh, no, there was, um, there was something before that question, uh, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. What was the question? Oh, jazz, jazz, jazz. Jazz, jazz. <laughs>
0: It all jazz, comes back jazz, to jazz, jazz with me, doesn't it? Because <laughs> I like I think since the first moment we ever met, I was like, what's jazz? How does it work? Why don't I understand it? And like, yeah, no, well, was...
1: I, I don't think anyone understands it. You know, that's the interesting thing about me is you can scat with an understanding of what the supposed uh oh, I don't even know what they're called. I seriously, I don't know what they're called, even though I teach <laughs> scat, right. But I don't do it based the same way I don't listen to music and approach it from a theoretical perspective. Mm, mm, mm. It's all freaking hard, man. It's all heart and soul. I think I was remembering what I was thinking about because the same thing goes for my poetry. Mm. And what I wind up doing is I wind up actually feeling as if I can express myself so much better through reading you a poem. Than talking to you about something, mm. and that's because I don't back myself with the ability to express and articulate. Because very much, my academic parents would not give me uh, a right to an opinion, mm. and I always would get shocked with how other people would be supported in their opinions, but I I never was. Like I, we would we were we were not permitted to have an opinion. I guess because we're um, we were children. And you can't have a meaningful, deep um, academic conversation with a child. And so, you know, that's that's what it is. But it, what it's meant for me is that I don't actually back myself. I'll actually sort of sneak out of, of, of a sentence before it's even finished. I'll go, is that true? And mm. I'll sort of like Ooh, freak out and go, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Mm. And who knows if drinking was a, a way of trying to combat that
0: and I think do you find I don't know like I personally find music particularly hard Um, people do seem to have quite strong opinions and that's you know this is something I've always loved about you like when I think about there's lots I love about you but when I think about the music that you've introduced me to over the years it's like it's absolutely democratic, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like I only listen to this or I only listen to that. Yet, yeah, you're one of the most talented songwriters I know and singers. But you know that thing? Like, I just think, and this is what I think about the Jessica Hope because it probably wasn't, she probably wasn't someone I would have, you know, understood or gravitated towards. But she's one of my favorite, favorite um, singers now. I just love her. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm an evangelist, darling. Mm, I mean, mm. I really am. I actually, and the whole point of this album, this is the reason why it's so wonderful that you bring this up, is because shoulder charge is like standing shoulder to shoulder. That's actually what the line is when when she sings her shoulder to shoulder to shoulder. And I've actually got a poem called Gods and Stars that became mm. a song as part of the Kerouac effect. And that's about standing shoulder to shoulder with the gods, you know, and up in the stars. And, um... That's the reason why I'm sharing what I'm offering up here with my, I wouldn't say contemporaries, but my comrades or whatever you want to call them, because, you know, I'm 49. Yeah. And um, so that means that I'm not a spring chicken, but I also teach songwriting. So when you say democratic, absolutely. Because you know what? A song written by a 15 year old is equally as valid and fantastic and insightful and magnificent as someone written by a 72 year old. Hmm. And writing is one of the most amazing um, experiences of um, a non-hierarchical situation. It's like peer support. And that's the reason why I wanna bring a community or create a community that currently doesn't exist, but we desperately need it now because we need to help each other because what is the country that basically created the song form of jazz through African-American history? America, America is about to go into civil war basically, it's about mm-hmm. to explode. They need all the freaking help they can get in terms of um, giving back thanks, gratitude and, and, and much respect. And that's what I wanna do in, by way of, as I said, of sending this to all my heroes, for sure, for sure. But when I when I listen to a song, it, 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 it's not to do with the genre at all. It's because I've got such a, you know, eclectic taste of music from everything to everything. It's just gotta be a good song. Mm. So that's the whole point of it. It's like the, the, the word aspect of it, the lyrical aspect of it is the thing that is set that is the thing at the very top. So w- when I teach songwriting, the meaning's at the top, then the lyric, then the melody, then the harmony, then the arrangement, then you know all the other things like um, instrumentation, um, dynamics, and all of this delivery. But at the very, very top of it, it's got to be the meaning, which mm. is the reason why you know I realize that John Vassa, Anna Brun, uh, Catherine Feeney, uh, Jessica Hoop. Um, you know, I realize, oh, shizzle, they're actually my, they are women who would have had lived experience or shared experience, right? If it's not an age-related thing, it's a addiction-related thing, or I can tell by what this person's been through, like, for example, Catherine Feeney, who's Portland-based, and I have the absolute honor of, of, um, of meeting and hanging out with, you know, these kind of things, it's like, the, the, the world suddenly gets shrunk and, and, and incredibly small. Like I I would probably not be able to cope with meeting Joni Mitchell. Uh, I don't think I could cope with that because that would be like, uh, I would just lose my shit because I believe <laughs> that my spiritual parents are Joni Mitchell and Leonard Cohen because, you know, they were together in, in, in Greece and, and I was born in, in Toronto in 71. So it makes sense to me anyway. But, you know, that kind of stuff, It feels like we're doing this Mahi together and we can provide, you know, so much. um, I just want to give it up to to my brothers and sisters because it almost doesn't feel like you're doing it yourself. It's it's, it's happening through you. Thank you, Elizabeth Gilbert with her ideas of of sort of big magic, you know, (laughs) where the ideas choose you. And if they're not going to use you, they'll knock on someone else's door and they'll get picked up by that person.
0: Yeah, I just really love that, because that's another thing I really, you know, like when I think of all the times we've sat in your lounge and had coffee, well, generally cups of tea, we generally drink cups of tea, Um, you you make a good cup of tea, Um, but like, it's equally, we have this awesome thing where you're equally playing me records by other people, but also playing me songs that you've written on the piano and stuff like that, and I just, I just think there is something because I really recognize that in the way that when I read a book, it, it it feeds me emotionally. I don't know. It's like, I come to, I feel like I come to writing to making and consuming the culture um, with it, with equal enthusiasm or something. And I think that I might've got that from you. I'm not sure.
1: Oh no, I think we're all in this together and you've just nailed it, which is basically when I perform, very often I go original cover, original cover, so yeah. people don't get judgy, right? <laughs> and what that does is it actually makes you realize that, you know, all songs are created equal if they're really good, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And when you were saying before that, sort of there's armchair critics and music tends to be as a very perceived of as subjective thing. That's the reason why I completely rally against that. Like I actually wanna write about the fact that There Is No Depression in New Zealand is a better song than Counting the Beat. So in that missing scroll of 1981, where they actually voted it, because now it's just become a popularity contest. And now APRA, and no offense APRA, but basically they're only interested in commercial um, money-making. It's its basically about making money, not about writing good songs. So that's the other thing that I feel I'm a standard bearer for, is I really actually want to speak to what it is to write well and what it is to actually support good writing, recognize good writing, um, encourage good writing, um, and to have as many ways, because I teach and you teach, you mm-hmm. know, and there are so many so much commonality like when you when we've had conversations about how we would go about structuring a retreat day and how much of it is spent in research or how much is spent in actual writing or or what have you and you know that that crosses the board and that's what you realize it doesn't matter what form art takes but the problem with music is it's become completely commercial and it's seen as entertainment rather than art which is what i really really also want to bring back with this artifact which is basically i want you to recognize it not only is the music conceptually joined together by the footsteps that are recorded between each song in the different locations which have a, a corresponding photograph it's the fact that no, I don't want my, uh, I mean, I don't want the CD to be listened to just song by song A song or have a single on it or anything like that. No, I don't want you to listen to it on a shitty device, which has only treble and no bass. Yes, I do want you to actually steal a car so you can use the stereo to actually <laughs> listen to a CD. I don't care that you haven't got a CD player and that computers don't have CD drives anymore. You'll find a way. It could be a great way to meet the neighbours,
0: your I've got Simon. to tell you this. So I'm um, I um Simon Sweetman is like four doors up. I um I have got a CD player in my car and that was where I was going to listen to it, but I was worried that the sound wouldn't be good enough. So I honestly literally your CD arrived. I texted I messaged Simon and said have you got a CD player and he said to me oh is that Caitlin's record I just got it too oh my god oh my god and it was just this awesome thing where we almost it didn't work out timing wise but we were almost going to have a listening party which I just yeah I get quite excited about the Gone. So, you know, the, so instead what we had was like a very small listening party in our house with just everyone in the house and we sat around and yeah, it was a really interesting experience to sort of treat it as appointment listening, you know, which was just, it's yep. really beautiful. Do you know, I love that you did that, honey. I'm
1: so blown away <laughs> because something happened where there was an alchemy project that I was involved with, which is jazz versions of New Zealand covers and I did I Hope I Never and Royals. And it's got amazing vocalists, um, Alana Goldsmith and um, uh, Chelsea Pristiti and um, Luana Whitley and and just people like that. It was just like, oh, blow your mind. And we had a listening party. Mm -hmm. And you know what I love? That's the whole point of the CD is to encourage deep listening. Um, And that's the reason why I use the, uh, the iconography of a labyrinth. But also there's an inner ear labyrinth, mm. and what I'm trying to get people to do is actually locate themselves. It's not just footsteps that's joining the songs. It's do you know what time of day, the air temperature, the um, the actual landscape of what's around you, because those kind of things are what um, blind people are aware of, because that's that's how we inform our world. Our our world is oral, and you know there was this woman who's actually got a Christchurch um, exhibition. She's called um, Connor Clark, I think. And um, she basically interviewed me and I put her onto a whole uh, heap of other blind um, people because we're interested in actually setting up some blind artists to exhibit as Mm, blind artists. mm, mm. Um, And because you think of the visual arts, it's a very, (laughs) it's very loaded (laughs) term. Um, Anyway, the thing was, um she was talking about how how do blind people experience landscape and I kind of like face palm, you know because it's like it definitely doesn't have anything to do with what you're seeing for me anyway like if I'm in the landscape I mean I'm a Virgo but I'm in the freaking landscape I feel it the same way I actually walk the labyrinth in Holy Trinity now more than the one that I walked previously in St. Columba because that's in Greyland, that takes me 50 minutes to walk to mm-hmm. but the one as the crow flies I can get to in 20 minutes that's the one that's on the cover it's a grass labyrinth and I actually go through meditating and I've slowed my gait right down it's almost like Bhutto styles but I'm going through the chakras I'm actually um, going through this inner landscape and I'm actually visualizing the most interesting things but that's also something that happened during lockdown and for all of us in 2020 globally is that we've had to make an inner pilgrimage because I couldn't go on that nationwide tour. And I used to think that unless I'm in motion, I don't exist, Mm -hmm. but now I'm actually going, Oh no, you know what? I can actually do the deep dive into my own landscape. Whoa. And you know, and that's, that's what it's about. I love the fact that you're listening to it as a as a concerted thing because that's the other thing i really want to encourage because of this relationship with someone who had an auditory process and comprehension disorder and could not listen or would not listen and that's the thing that i'm trying to work through as well with the therapist is (laughs) is, is this willful or not you know is this deliberate or not but needless to say we could all listen more and we could all listen better and we could all find out what listening actually is because if we can hear each other and and even you know this is the interesting thing let go of the idea of being heard but be able to speak your truth anyway because we can't guarantee that anyone will hear us
0: mm.
1: and will be able to listen but we can certainly at least try and bring it forward as um, I mean like a podcast is listened to there are so many ways that we can see the glasses half full mm. Mm. <laughs> because actually i believe that everything is evolving us in the positive. That's my conjecture. It's like, I don't think we're, this world is is going to rack and roll. And I actually think if you base a country on a genocide and slavery, this is just a karmatic wheel that's rolling, you know, but yeah. I think I've gone off topic,
0: darling. Oh, my God. Uh, Haven't we always, though? That should be our Uh, byline. Pip and Caitlin mm -hmm. going off topic since ages ago. Off-roading. Off-roading. Apparently, if if you're tangential, we can cover more ground. Yeah, well, that's what I think, too. I think we've done amazing. Hey, we've just got... We've just got a couple of minutes left, and I um I was just wondering I don't even know if this is the right way to end, but this is the last song on the album, and I wonder I wonder if you could talk a little bit about ordering, like deciding what you know those steps that you were talking about, like how how were those decisions made?
1: Ah, uh, it went
0: through many many different.
1: Um, <laughs> incarnations it had many different waters it initially started with white satin dress because it's such a banger Mm. Uh, it also started with um prayer for a miracle but the problem is i didn't want to start with footsteps even though it did originally start with footsteps because i thought people might think there's something wrong with their cd and then blast themselves i was i was trying to be compassionate but that song another goodbye was initially a hidden song a hidden track um and that was that was stuck on the end of like seven or more minutes of me walking to the domain. And I just thought, oh no, that's so whatever it is, 90s, God knows what it is. I thought we don't need a hidden track anymore. We'll just actually make the footsteps into their own tracks. um, So people can flick through if they need to. But if you need to listen to it, which I would suggest is listening to it in one complete artifact I think it's a little bit of a one of these things there's not like the other kind of song because it's actually we went pretty feral on it and um it actually initially finished with the footsteps keeping on going at the Mm -hmm. end Mm -hmm. um but I don't know when when we actually had Larry Kellett um because Angus McNaughton remastered it god bless him after after 10 years um and 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 basically, Larry was the fantastic guy who pulled it all together and put the footsteps in between the songs. Even though even Short had initially done that, but what I freaked out about because I've had so many crises of confidence over this time. I've gone, it's too loud. I'm too loud. This is, <laughs> it's not not loud enough. Help, you know. And it's just when it's you because i mean like the thing that happens with a lot of other people either with a record company or with a publisher you can actually send the manuscript off it's out of your hands but when you're actually doing it yourself you're doing everything you're doing the the manufacture and then you're paying for everything as well you're doing all of the choices to do with everything and i think when you get a team going it's it possibly makes you feel a little bit better i would hope because it means that you can kind of share the responsibility but mm. still be heard with any luck. So yeah, there's reasons why it's at the end is mainly because it's kind of like, it's a bit of a freak. So mm. it's just the end it's as if someone's forgotten that it, that it actually is there. Um, but, you know, I like it as a song. It's kind of quirky. And, and if it were being real Nashville, I should have called it um, empty words, empty arms, because, mm. because another goodbye is just the name of the, the, the first sorry, it's just the first two words of the song as opposed to what Nashville songwriting says is you gotta have the title of the song as the chorus of the song and there's no exceptions to that rule. That was a real bad accent because I'm talking too fast anyway but real southern I'll be real slow Okay. (laughs) Oh my god
0: I think it's a great I think the whole album is amazing and I think it's a really nice way to end because of the way that it um, sort of just frees itself up at the end in such an interesting way and becomes constrained and then yeah it's just fantastic Thank you so much Caitlin It's been lovely talking to you It's always lovely talking to you. And yeah, thanks heaps. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And congratulations on being the
1: writer in residence, darling. (laughs)